All right, Pastor Josh, thank you. Are you excited today? Are you, are you happy to be together with God's people? Are you thankful today? Let me just ask, are you a thankful person in general? Would you characterize yourself as one who is grateful generally? Or would you characterize yourself as one who perhaps is more ungrateful than grateful? I want to challenge you with those questions today. I want us to think seriously about where we are at with regard to having a grateful heart for God and his goodness and the blessings we have in this life and the goodness you know, that, that he's blessed us with in knowing him and having salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, uh, this generation oftentimes is not characterized as being a grateful generation. As a matter of fact, a Boston consultant was speaking to a group of recent college graduates, and he asked them the question. He said, you know, there is a, there is a word, a one word that is used most often to describe this up-and-coming generation. He said, what word do you think it is? And he said, I'll give you a hint. It starts with the letter E. And so all the college graduates begin to calling out exceptional, you know, excellent, energetic, you know, and all these E words that they could think of. And after calling out all the E words that they could, the positive E words that they could think of, he said, well, no, actually, I, I, need, to, I need to tell you that the one word that is most often used to describe this up-and-coming generation in the workforce is the word entitled. We have an entitled generation that thinks that they are owed something, that thinks they deserve more than what they have. And it's no secret that the millennial generation has been dubbed the entitled generation. And that's probably because there seems to be a pervasive attitude among the millennials that we are owed something. We deserve something more. Now, before we come down too hard, if you're like me and from a generation that's a little bit ahead of the millennials, then let's just pause for a moment and seriously, honestly, ask ourselves the question, who's to blame? Who's to blame for the millennial generation having that pervasive attitude of entitlement? Could we not say that we share the blame because we worked so hard, many of us, we worked so hard, we, we, we uh, ignored our families and we tried to give them gifts to make up for the things that we lacked and the time that we weren't spending with them. And then we wonder why they think that, you know, they should get and get and get and have more. We tried to give them the best. We tried to give them better than what we had growing up. And so, you know, I could go on and on about all the reasons for the millennial generation being the entitled generation, but we all need to acknowledge that we, too, share the blame. We're talking today about having grateful hearts. Now, I just have to say, this is an exciting day for me. My heart is full of gratefulness because the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Is anyone else excited about that with me? You know, uh, I, I just have to tell you, I, 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 I stepped out on faith and I went ahead and and I got my Super Bowl ring. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, you know. I grew up in Kansas City, okay, so you need to understand where I'm coming from. I, I went to school with, with uh, students who had parents who, you know, dads who played on the Chiefs football team. And so, you know, it's a big deal for me. I was, I hate to say that, that's hard to believe, but I was nine years old the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. <laughs> now you know how old I am. That was 50 years ago. 
They were in Super Bowl number one, and they were in Super Bowl number four, and I've been waiting for 50 years to see it again. And, you know, so I'm excited. This is a great day. This is an exciting day. I, I'm just full of gratitude today for that and for many other things as well. But, um, but today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 17. Let me go ahead and tell you to, you know, open your Bible there. If you have your Bible with you this morning, Luke 17, verse 11. We'll be looking at a story there in just a moment. We've been hearing about, as you know, Josh alluded to earlier, some uh, forgotten virtues. We've heard about the forgotten virtues of integrity and honesty and, and uh, or rather honor. Uh, and so next week we're going to hear, I think the, the last in the series will be on purity, but today we're talking about the opposite of entitlement. We're talking about attitude. And there's a story in Luke chapter 17 where this comes out really clear and it's going to help me to bring out the word of God and what it has to say about this attitude of attitude that we all need to have and to work at uh, developing if, if we would honestly admit today that, you know, that's, that's not how I characterize myself most often. And so I want to help you with that this morning. Luke chapter 17, there's a story about 10 lepers who are healed. And the scripture tells us that uh, they were on their way. In in other words, uh, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And he he traveled between the border of Samaria and Galilee. And while he was on the way uh, making this journey, uh, these 10 lepers... Uh, met him. They, they were at the entrance to the village, and they were standing off at a distance, the scripture tells us, and they knew Jesus evidently was coming, and so from the distance, they cried out to him, Master Jesus, have mercy on us. What do you think Jesus did? Just went on and ignored them? You know, Jesus hears the cries of those who call out his name. Jesus, while he was a distance away from them, and they were keeping their distance for some reason I'll get into in just a moment, he heard their cry. And I believe his heart was deeply moved. And Jesus took time to minister to these ten Text for just a moment and understand that they, they were holding their distance. Why? Because Leviticus chapter 13 tells us that lepers had to holler out, unclean, unclean, whenever they went into public spaces. They needed to let people know that they were lepers and they were basically outcast of society. So can you imagine the, the loneliness, the heartache, the pain, the separation? You know, the lack of community, the lack of fellowship, having left their family and, and the people in their neighborhood to go out and oftentimes living in colonies together as lepers. They saw Jesus as their only hope. They heard he was coming. They no doubt heard about the miracles that he had been performing. And so from a distance, they're crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And the scripture tells us, In verse 17, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest and you will be cleaned. And so they went and they appeared before the priest. And just like that, snap, instantly, they were healed. 
along the way. Can you imagine how they must have felt? The joy that must have flooded their hearts as all of a sudden their life that was hopeless was now full of hope and meaning and purpose and new direction and they could go back to life as they knew it before and even better because they probably had a greater appreciation now that this healing had happened to them. And so in verse 15, it tells us that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back praising God with a loud voice. How many came back? One. How many were healed? Ten. Isn't that something? Ten were healed. One returned to give thanks to Jesus. The scripture tells us in verse 18, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, the scripture tells us. And so obviously, perhaps, the implication is that the others may have been Jews. Jesus asked, were you not all cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give thanks except for this foreigner? They were healed, all ten of them. And yet, only one returned to Jesus to express gratitude and to give thanks. So I want to challenge us this morning with this word. Will you be the one? While the others are, the majority of people all around us are living with ungrateful hearts, an entitlement attitude, thinking I deserve more, I should get more, people ought to treat me better than I'm treated, I should have more respect, I should have more money, I should have more this or more that. Will you Be the one who, instead of living with that mindset, says, God, by your grace and with your help, I'm going to live my life with a grateful heart. Whether I have plenty or whether I'm in want, Lord, you are Lord of it all, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to glorify you, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to worship you. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where, you know, I, I used to think, well, I can go to church and I can worship, and if Life is really going good, man. I can raise the hands and I can sing joy and praise and hallelujah. But in those tough times, then, man, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to have a pity party while everybody else is raising their hands and praising, but not me because my life is this or my life is that. And God, by his grace, convicted me of the wrongness of that and helped me to begin changing my attitude and realizing that, you know what, there is power when we come before Jesus and we lift up our hands and we praise him in the good times as well as the bad. And I don't know if you have had this experience yet. If you haven't, I covet it for you. When you are down and when life is tough and when things are hard, will you just raise your hands and praise God for who he is? Think about who he is. Get your mind off of yourself and off of your problems and off of your circumstance and think about Jesus and begin to worship him, begin to honor him, begin to praise him, and you will see God move in your, in your heart, in your spirit. You'll begin to sense his presence and he will begin to bring breakthrough and, and help to you in ways that you never dreamed possible. Will you be the one? There's some pictures here. You know, I thought it would be a little bit fun to throw up. You know, majority of people, and I'm not, you know, judging these guys and girls, but uh, the majority, you know, we go around with somber faces, somber attitudes. You know, we're just down and we're just out. But, you know, hey, Jason Rambach, man, there you are. 
Let's be a Jason, you know. Let's be the one, all right? Let's be the one that's going to give praise to God when everybody else is, you know, and you guys, we can, we can talk forgiveness after the service, all right, for those of you who are up there, if, if you're unhappy right now. But uh, just praise God, you know, just give thanks. <laughs> God is good, right? If you're, if you're thinking this morning, you know, I deserve better. And I can't praise God until my life is what I think it needs to be. I can't give honor and praise and I just can't go out with all of my heart and worship until this situation gets fixed and that situation improves and this person treats me right and that job that I want so desperately becomes mine. You know, let's just lay all that aside and let's say, you know what, I'm going to praise God regardless of how life is. You know, um, let's, let's think just a little bit further here about these ten lepers. And uh, think about, uh, you know, the one that returned. Will you be the one who returns to give thanks to Jesus? You know, sometimes showing gratitude is more than just thanking God in our prayers and saying a blessing before a meal. But it's also going to people who deserve to be thanked, to say to them, hey, thank you for what you've done. You know, it might be a coach, it might be a teacher, it might be a a pastor or a minister, it might be someone who teaches your kids the word of God, it might be someone who uh, is is a school teacher, or, or, you know, we could name all kinds of people who bless our lives, who serve us in our lives, who do great things to help us and our families. It could be a, a neighbor or a volunteer or maybe a family member, or a friend, are you the one when so many others just take and take and take? Will you be the one who goes back and says, thank you for what you've done? Will you be the one who writes a little note and just says, I just want you to know that I appreciate all your hard work, all your effort, the sacrifices that you make to bless me or to bless my kids or to bless my family? Will you be the one? You know, we may think that we are grateful people, but um, I have to judge myself not by worldly standards and not by how other people are living their lives, but by what the Word of God says. And so I want to challenge us this morning to use the Word of God as the standard by which we judge whether or not we truly have grateful hearts. Let's take a moment to do that. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 15, just turn back a page and, uh, or two in your Bible uh, to Luke chapter 15. Again, verse 11 here as well. And we're going to look at a story in this particular passage that uh, helps us to really get to the, the heart of the matter about whether or not we have a grateful heart or an ungrateful heart. There's basically two mindsets that are evident in this passage. And just the backstory to this passage is Jesus is telling a, para, a parable. He's telling a story about a father who had two sons. And um, each son is very different from the other. And you can see that they each have different mindsets. So let's look closely at the story. Oh, and by the way, uh, let me just give you the first mindset. The first mindset is I want it now. I want it now. And you'll see that come out in the story in just a moment. And, and you know, I just have to say, I, I don't know uh, how you feel, but when you go out to the restaurants today in town, I've gotten spoiled. 
Go to Chick-fil-A, for example. I don't know how many times I've gone to Chick-fil-A and I've placed my order at the counter, and by the time I get to my seat and sit down, my food's come already that fast. I mean, they are, they are spot on. They are quick. And then so, so now I go to other restaurants, or maybe at times, you know, Chick-fil-A isn't always, you know, at the ex- exceptional level that they often are. And maybe a few minutes go by, and I'm starting to look at my clock. Let's see. Where are they? Where's my food? Are they going to come? I got things to do, you know. We want it now, don't we? That's the kind of generation we are. I want it now. How about you? Well, take a look at this parable in Luke chapter 15. It tells us that there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, he said to him, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father obliged. He shared the estate with his son. He gave him his share of the property. Traditionally, and of the funds that went with the property. So traditionally, you need to understand that uh, they, they would get their, their inheritance at the time of the passing of the father. But this son had that I want it now mentality. Living in the house, I'm tired of your rules. I'm tired of being under your thumb. I want my life and I want to live it right now. I want to do everything I want to do. And so he, went, he asked for his estate and he got it. And he went off, and the scripture tells us that he basically indulged in wild living. You can think kegger parties. You can think hired women. You can think all the things that go with uh, living the high life. And that's the kind of life that this young uh, man lived after he received his inheritance. And, um, you know, we see that all around us today, don't we? We live in a generation where people want it now. We want everything we can get now and we don't want to wait. I've, I've read some articles this week and found that people often in, in America today are, are living above their means, spending money they don't have to spend. In fact, in 2019, the average American household had nearly $7,000 in revolving credit card debt. That's on top of mortgages and auto loans and student debt. The total average household debt in America today is said to be $136,000. And nearly half of all seniors who are going into retirement age have very little savings to live on in retirement. In fact, I saw one article that indicated that uh, basically half of all people who are going into retirement are you know, pretty much dependent utterly upon Social Security benefits their livelihood in retirement. That's a sad state of affairs for the United States of America, and I think it points to what I'm, I'm getting at this morning. We live in a I want it now, I want it today mentality, a I want it now attitude. So we see that in the prodigal son. But we also see another ungrateful attitude in this story. It's the mindset of, uh, of I deserve more. And this is where we see the, the older brother come into play. See, after the older, uh, younger brother got his inheritance and made all the mistakes that he made, and he realized that he was living, you know, in a pigsty, literally living among the pigs, he, he thought to himself, man, you know, it can't get any worse than this. I'm at the bottom of the barrel. 
And so he basically said, I'm going to return home. And he was thinking, I'm going to have to go back to my father, and I'm going to have to beg my dad to receive me back. I'll be better off at home uh, than I would be living here in this pigsty. And so, so he goes back. And his father, who happens to be much like our heavenly father, sees him coming from a distance. And, you know, the young man's approaching with probably with his head down thinking, man, this is going to be, you know, I hope he receives me. I hope, you know, he's humiliated. He's, he, he's, he's all these, you know, thoughts of, of just shame and, and, you know, disappointment. But his dad sees him. And his dad rejoices when he sees him. His dad, in fact, the Bible tells us, runs to him and embraces him and celebrates that he's returned. And he, he, you know, he begins to shout out that this young son of mine who left has now returned. He says, kill the fatted calf, steak and potatoes for everyone. We're going to have a party tonight. We're going to celebrate this son of mine who had left that has now returned home. Now, this is where the older brother comes into play. The older brother, seeing all of this you know, play out, is thinking to himself, man, I've been here all along. I've been working and doing everything that was expected of me. I've been a good son. I've been you know, faithful. I've been dependable. I've been responsible. I've done this and I've done that. And, and he goes, I've been slaving for you. I never once disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat to have a party with that I could celebrate with my friends. I deserve more. That was his attitude. An entitlement mentality. I deserve better. This isn't right. And we see this attitude, this mindset all around us as well. People wanting and thinking that they ought to be treated better or deserve more or get more money. And not that those are necessarily bad desires in and of themselves, but it's the attitude, the mindset, the entitlement that goes with it. That's where the, the danger lies. You know, if I think I deserve something, we need to realize, man, it is by grace that we even have a breath. It's by grace that we have whatever we have. It's by grace that we're saved, and that through faith, none of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Everything that we enjoy and receive and have in life is a gift, a precious gift that we need to be thankful for, not expecting that we deserve more or think that we deserve better. Um, you know, when you, when you realize the depravity of man and the sinfulness of man, then you begin to understand just how truly grateful we are, we ought to be, and how blessed we really are. And so use the word of God as the standard, not what others are saying, not what others think, but let's be real this morning before God. Let's allow him, before we get away this morning, to allow him to speak by the power of his spirit and to reveal within us, within our hearts, any ungratefulness that might exist within us. I'm going to quickly go through three questions, three sections, if you will. And uh, I want you just to allow, as I ask these questions, will you ask them of yourself? Will you ask the Spirit of God to shine the searchlight of His Spirit on your heart, on your life, 
and to show you if you have anything that you need to confess to him in the way of an ungrateful attitude. Let's, let's basically call it an attitude check, if you will, okay? Let's do that. The first question. Will you ask, Lord, am I ungrateful about material things or finances? Is there any way, Lord, in which I express ungratefulness in my heart or in my attitude toward these things? Let me just challenge you. Think about it for a moment. Do you see what others have and fail to appreciate the things that you have? You know, it's no wonder that we have maybe this desire to want more. 5,000 ads a day are just thrown at our face. Social media, you know, everywhere we turn, billboards, cars, buses, wherever you go, you know, you can't escape. We're being bombarded by 5,000 ads a day telling us that we, we should buy something, we should get something, we need something. And so it's no, no wonder that we can so easily fall into this trap. You know, I need a better car, I need a better house, I need a better gadget, I need a better, you know, wardrobe, whatever the case may be. We covet what others have and become resentful over the things we don't have. Second question. Ask yourself, Lord, am I ungrateful for the relationships that I have in my life? Is there any way in which you tend toward becoming ungrateful with regard to relationships in your life? You know, you might be a young person here today who feels like the prodigal son felt. You know, I'm tired of living under my parents' house. I'm tired of being under their rules. I'm tired of being under their thumb. I wish I had better parents. I wish I had a better you know, better siblings, I wish I had better this, better that, whatever. You might be a wife this morning who's thinking, you know, I, I, I wish my husband had a better job, that he made more money, that he was a better spiritual leader, that he was this or that he was that, that he was like someone else and not the husband that I have. And you may be having an ungrateful heart with regard to that relationship. Maybe you're a husband thinking about your wife, perhaps uh, in a similar way, and you're, you're thinking, you know, I wish she were more fun. I wish she were more romantic. I wish, uh, you know, that she would contribute more to the family household, the family income. I wish that uh, she were a better housekeeper, you know, this and that. Whatever the case may be, we tend to get into those ruts, those mindsets that express, really, an ungrateful heart for what we do have. And as a result of that, we become unhappy, we become bitter, maybe angry and resentful. If any of this resonates with you, would you just be honest before God this morning and check the box and say, yeah, that fits. That's me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, change my heart. Third question. Will you ask, Lord, am I ungrateful over circumstances? You know, let's face it. Life does not always go well, does it? When we live in a world where Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. Don't be surprised by it. You know, I thought I was in for a pretty decent week, but then Monday morning rolled around and all of a sudden a phone call came and then next thing I know, my week is going haywire and it seems like everything, you know, is that I, it's, it's just going down the tubes. And here I am trying to write a message on gratitude, you know, and I'm struggling with all these things that are happening and these conversations I'm having that just make me so angry and, you know, get under my skin and I'm dealing with all this stuff. And you, you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. 
I start going down this dark hole in my mind, you know, and in my, my emotions because I'm letting the circumstances of the world cloud my relationship with God and with others. And um, so I'm struggling through it. And praise God, he is a God who is able to help us through the dark times. And where there were times in my past where maybe I would have started down that rabbit, rabbit trail into that hole and I may have dwelt there for a few weeks, you know, before I finally, you know, snapped out of it and began to, you know, change my thinking and, and, and turn things, and things began not to really, the circumstances didn't change, but my attitude, my perspective of them began to change. Praise God, it only took a couple of days this week, you know, maybe this sermon helped, you know, <laughs> preparing it and, and thinking about it. But, but don't we have that tendency to be ungrateful for our circumstances, we want a better job. We want to live in a better house. We want, you know, maybe a better neighborhood. Perhaps uh, we don't like our body type or, you know, this or that. There are all kinds of circumstances that go on in life that we can be so ungrateful for and, and allow those things to get us down into a place of, of darkness if we're not careful. And God came to shine light through Jesus Christ on those dark spaces and to give us life and light and hope and help. And so the antidote that I want to give you, if you would say yes, check, 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 one of those or maybe all three, the antidote that you need is, as well as I is to say, Lord, will you help me to cultivate an attitude that is grateful, to have an attitude of gratitude. And the way we do that is decide right now, right now, today, that we're going to begin to look for good things, things to be thankful for, in spite of what all the, the, the ugliness is in our lives, we're going to turn blessings that we have into praise. There's a song, by the way, that goes, I think it's titled, uh, Blessed Be Your Name. You know what I'm talking about? It's Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, Blessed Be Your Name, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. You know, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And then it reminds us that when the darkness comes, even then, Lord, I'm going to praise. I'm going to thank you, Lord, at all times, the good and the bad. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you ask God to help you to begin to develop that attitude constantly and regularly? That's the kind of attitude that the Apostle Paul had. We see it come out in Philippians chapter 4 verse 3, and uh, he, he had that way of turning even the darkness in his life into praise. You know, our mindset, if, it, if we're not careful, we take the blessings we have, we're ungrateful for them, we don't be like the one who returns, given all the ugly, and then what happens? We begin to get prideful hearts. We begin to, you know, settle into that mindset of I deserve something more, I deserve this, or I deserve that, or I want what I want, and I want it now, or I had this coming. And we need to do like the Apostle Paul did and realize that God is, God is Lord over the good and the bad, and we're going to praise him and honor him, and we're going to give him credit for the good things, we're going to look for the good, even in the midst of the terrible, and we're going to cultivate this attitude of gratitude. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, he said this, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. 
Will you just pray right now, Lord, will you help me to be content in every circumstance I go through? Paul said, I know what it is like to be in need, and I know what it is like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in my, in any and every situation. You just say, Lord, will you help me to have that heart, to have that attitude? And then Paul went on to say in verse 13, chapter 4, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You might say, you know, it's too hard to have that great, grateful heart in the midst of the situation I'm in right now. Let me remind you, God's word, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul says that whatever I'm going through, you know, if I'm healthy or if I'm not, if I have plenty, if I have money or if I don't, if things are going well or if things are going bad, I am focusing on the Lord and I'm being content in my relationship with him. I, and I'm just going to trust him through the good and the bad. I've learned the secret, Paul says. And it, this is something that we learn. It's a mindset that we develop. It's something we have to train our minds to think about the good instead of dwelling on the negative and the bad so much. So let's face it, because, because uh, you're probably a lot like me. I, I feel like I'm probably not alone here. But uh, by nature, I'm not really a grateful person. I mean, by nature, I, I can get pretty down in the dumps and I can be pretty negative about things if I'm not careful. By nature, I can be pretty restless. I can, by nature, slip into that dark hole I told you about a little bit ago. And um, I'm going to tell you, when I wallow there, it's not my happy place. And uh, I don't feel good. And the people around me are probably even more miserable. I probably make their lives tough. And uh, man, God have mercy when we get that way. It's a dark place to live. And uh, we cause suffering on our loved ones when we allow ourselves to live with that ungrateful attitude and that ungrateful heart. And so I'm working on it. I've been working on the grace of God continue to work more and more and to get better and better at this, at having an attitude of gratitude. Ecclesiastes 6, 9 is a great verse. It says, better what the eyes see than roving of the appetite. Basically, what that is saying to us is it's better to be happy with what God has put before us than to have a roving appetite, a rest better, or thinks we should be somewhere else. <laughs> Let me just give you a little story to illustrate, and we'll wrap this up. There was a few years ago, uh, my kids were in high school. My oldest girls were in high school. They hadn't been to, uh, to the ocean yet. They hadn't seen uh, a beach on the ocean. And, uh, you know, I thought, man, it'd be great to go there. And I had a friend who had, his parents had a condo uh, on the beach, Siesta Key, Florida. Uh, it was right next to Siesta Key. And it was within walking. It was a beautiful place, white sand beaches. I mean, it was gorgeous. And... Um, he couldn't, his parents wouldn't let him stay there, but he said to me, you know, you ought to ask my parents, if, you know, because I'm good friends with them. He said, you ought to ask them if they'd rent that, that space to you for a week. And I did, and guess what? They did. My friend was pretty jealous. <laughs> you know, they let me and my family in there for a week. And uh, we got in, and man, it was a great week. It was a beautiful beach. But you know what? I was in a restless time of life, at, uh, you know, several years ago. 
And um, so guess, guess what I did? I started getting on, you know, WhatsApp, or not WhatsApp, but my, MapQuest, and I began looking uh, at all the other beaches in the area, trying to find out, okay, are we really at the best one? You know, I've never been to this part of Florida before, and man, I don't want to miss the best spot. And so, you know, I would, hey, kids, let's go out to this beach over here this, this, you know, today. It's, it's supposed to be a great place to hunt for shark teeth. Not a great place to swim, <laughs> but a great place to look for t- shark teeth, you know. And, uh, and then the next day, hey, let's go to this beach. It's supposed to be a great place to find sand dollars. And so, you know, we'd get in the car and we'd tool off and go look for sand dollars. And then the next day, I found another one. And all week long, and then finally, at the end of the week, you know, I come to the realization, and we laugh about this now, but I said to the family, you know what? We've got the best beach in Central Florida right here. <laughs> this is the best place and a better, better place than the place we have. But I share that with you to say that it illustrates how an ungrateful heart, a restless heart, a, a heart thinking, you know, that maybe there's something better out there. And, I, I, you know, we can't just be appreciative and thankful for what's before us. I could have relaxed all week at the beach, probably come back, you know, a little bit... Uh, uh, happier and, and more relaxed, but you know, I was running here and there and dragging the family around, and they were like, "Okay, Dad, you know." Uh, but yeah, uh, why do we do, why do we get like that? Well, because we haven't learned the secret of being content. Thank God, I think if I have the opportunity to go to a beach again, I'm going to relax and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to make the best of it. You know, um, will you just pray with me before God as we wrap up here today? And, and if any of this has resonated with you, if you would say, you know, you're touching on some issues that are true to form for me, and I need to just confess, Lord, I, I tend to have a grateful heart as well. Lord, will you help me with this? Will you begin to pray, Lord? Will you, will you begin to ask him to change your heart? Will you thank him that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to shed his blood that would cover the multitude of sins in our lives, even our ungrateful hearts. And would you just thank him, Lord? Thank you for shedding your blood, Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving me the opportunity for life and that eternal. And Lord, I come before you now and I confess, and if this is true for you, just make that I have an ungrateful attitude. Would you just say, Lord, thank you for doing what you did on the cross for me. I come to you now and I ask that you would transform my life, transform my heart, forgive me of my ungratefulness, have mercy upon me, Lord, for a spirit of entitlement. Change me, Lord, so that I won't be a complainer and a whiner, but Lord, that I'll be one who blesses you and and worships you and praises you more and more. Even in the dark times, Lord, will you give me a heart and an attitude, a spirit that is quick, to turn blessings into praise. God, will you help me to turn and to pour out my heart? And, and, and yes, Lord, I'm going to be honest with you when things are tough, and I'm going to let you know, Lord, how I'm hurting and, and how I need you, Lord, but I'm going to be grateful and thankful that you're there even in those difficult times as well. Now take a moment as we continue to pray. And if there's any ungratefulness, if there's any place where you just need to confess, Lord, I'm I'm ungrateful about this, and I'm ungrateful about that. Will you just confess that? Will you just name it and say, Lord, I I bring it before you. I lay it down at your feet. I ask that you would cleanse me, Lord, by the blood of Jesus. I confess it to you now. Would you cleanse me and forgive me of my ungratefulness?
Just lift up your voice to God in, in the silence of your own heart. And just humbly confess any ungratefulness that's there. Ask for his forgiveness and know that he is faithful and just. And he will forgive you and cleanse you of a multitude of sins. And as you pour out your heart and as you confess those things, just begin to allow worship and praise to well up within you for his goodness and for his grace. You're not condemned, but you are a precious child of God that he loves so much that he poured out his blood because he wants to relate with you. He wants to know you. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to draw you to himself. He wants you to see the blessings of knowing him first and foremost. And he wants to, you to experience his goodness in all of life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ask him to forgive you for complaining. Ask him, Lord, to help you to turn from being like the majority of those who might be entitled in our generation and ask him to help you to have a heart that overflows with gratitude and thankfulness. And if you're one who, who today would say, you know what, I, I'm just not able to be there yet. I've not entered into a relationship where I can ask him to do that because I don't personally believe, I don't personally know Jesus. Would you just come to that place right now of saying, you know, I want to be there. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be one who is transformed by the power of the blood of Jesus. I want his spirit to indwell me. I want his spirit to transform my mind and my heart. I want to be a worshiper of God now and forever. Will you just raise your hand if, if you're ready to make that commitment? Anyone? Is there anyone here today who would say, I'm ready to commit my life to Christ as Savior and Lord? I surrender all. I surrender now. Anyone? I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone? Any others? All right, let's pray. For the one who raised your hand, you are the one. You are the one. The angels in heaven rejoice today because you raised your hand and you returned to Jesus. Will you thank him? Lord, thank you for covering me with your blood. Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for eternal life that I have now in you forever. I praise you, Lord, and I will worship you from this day forward. I will give you praise and honor and glory. Church, will you celebrate today? One has come to Christ. One has raised their hand with faith. Let's stand as we end our service today, worshiping God with praise and honor and giving him the glory that he so rightly deserves.